one of the things we're trying to instill as our culture here. Good deeds. Care for one another. Care for the people around us. Builds goodwill so that we can share the good news. And before I jump into the sermon, I'd just like to share with you a story of something that's happened to me recently. I have a neighbor that hates leaves, just hates leaves. He's cut three trees down in his yard because he hates leaves. And I have three trees that blow leaves into his yard. So I take my mower, because I hate raking leaves, I mow my leaves, and I mow in his yard all my leaves. I just mow them up. Uh, you know, bag them, mow them, just take them up. And so we have created a great friendship because of that. So I mow them up, I bag them, he comes over with his truck, we take him down to the compost together, and we talk. And the other day he comes over, and he says, hey, Greg, I need to talk with you about the leaves. And so we start talking about the leaves, but we didn't stop there. He goes, I also have a spiritual matter to talk with you. Oh, really? And so we talked about a spiritual matter. And I don't know if he's a follower of Christ or has anything, but, but he knows that I do. And so we, we, we talked it over, and I shared with him the beauty of the Scriptures. And then we were done, and this is kind of a paraphrase, but he said, it's nice to know I can walk across the yard to find out about God. Good deeds builds goodwill to share the good news. Friends, I want to challenge you this week. Who will you do good deeds with? Who will you share a good deed with? Now, if you need help, I'm going to give you some suggestions. One, there is a couple... The husband is blind, the wife cannot drive, and they want to come to this church. They need some drivers. If that might be a good deed you want to be part of, write it on your connect slip and send it in with the offering. They, they could really stand. They're by Tonka Toy Elementary School. I, I can never say it, Tatanka, did I say that right, Tatanka? I always just think Tonka toy, Tatanka Elementary School. Be in prayer this week for Jerry Savage. Jerry went in Friday for surgery on his back, and while he was on the table as they were preparing, he had a heart attack. But fortunately, when you're on the surgery table, that's a good place to have a heart attack. You're going to have one. And he's in recovery, but keep him and Linda in your prayers. Peter Schwartz had trouble this week and had to go into the hospital. He's at home, but he needs some men to come and, and visit him, spend some time with him. 
And so we'd encourage you if you'd like to do that. Uh, if you'd like to find out where he's at, let us know. The pack and snack is a great thing coming up. Invite somebody from the neighborhood. Invite a friend. But look for ways to do acts of kindness for people this week, would you? Thanks. Now, I want you to think back on this last week. I want to get up close and personal with you, just for a second. Did you say something you didn't mean to say? Did something slip out? Think about it. Did something slip out? I'm going to be really transparent here. I know you've said something that you're thinking, where did that come from? I had that experience twice this last week. The first time, I have an excuse. You see, um, I was talking to myself in public. <laughs> well, l let me explain. I was talking to myself in public, and, and I couldn't believe what I was saying to myself. And for those who are visiting, going, oh, you have a pastor who's lost it. Those of you who attend here go, yes, we do. I'm going to share something that many of you don't know. I'm a ventriloquist. Yeah, you heard that voice I just did? I'm really good. And uh, I worked with children for 35 years before I came here, and one of the tools I had was being a ventriloquist. And so I received a call, would you come, Greg, and do a, a show, a program, for a group of uh, special needs adults? And so I said, sure, I, I, I would be glad to. And so I, I went down, did the show, and because I have spoken to this group several times, I've used all my material. So I just kind of jotted down a story and, and kind of tried to come up with new material, but I thought, you know what, I'll just ad-lib most of it. That's very dangerous. Because things come out of my mouth in the puppet that I had no clue would come out. In fact, when Donna watches me do those type of shows, she'll go, where did that come from? Where did you hear that? Why are you saying that? I'll go, oh, I don't know. Don't blame me. Blame the puppet. And she'll say, yeah, but who pulled the strings? So that happened. There were things coming out. Now, I, I didn't say anything really embarrassing, but I, I was like, wow, where did that come from? So that was the first time. The second time occurred last Sunday. I was talking to one of the families of our church, and they asked me a question, and immediately what popped out was a line from both a children's camp song and a play, and it was an awkward line. It was an embarrassing weird line and it was just silly 
And they kind of looked at me. They went along with it. The kids thought the line was hilarious. I'm not going to tell you what it was. But I was like, where did that? Oh, yeah, that was that kid's play years ago. Oh, yeah, it was, yeah, oh, yeah, it was stuck way back there. You see, it was inside of me. What is inside is what comes out. You know, that's what makes alcohol so dangerous. Because it lowers our inhibitions and it makes what's truly inside come out. It really reveals what's in our hearts. In fact, it gets us to the heart of the matter. And that's what we're going to be talking about in the next few weeks. Heart matters. And that's today's point. It's what's inside that matters. And Jesus is going to illustrate this, and we're going to use that as our jumping off point for our short series on Heart Matters. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Mark. There are two parts of your Bible. There's the Old Testament and the New Testament. Mark's in the New Testament. It's the second book in, Matthew, Mark, and go to chapter 7. Chapter 7, verse 1. Now when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. I'm going to take you back right now, and I'm going to peel back some of the layers, because we're looking at this with our 21st century eyes, and we're missing a lot of it. And I want you to understand what's going on. You're going to capture a lot more this way. So you see that phrase, now when the Pharisees, now if you're not familiar with that phrase, Pharisees, what that means is lawyers of the Bible. They were lawyers, they were religious lawyers, they were teachers as well. Now notice with some of the scribes. Scribes are people who wrote, they copied the scriptures. And notice this phrase, who had come from Jerusalem. Now this is the code I want you to see. This code means this, their trouble. Anytime you see that phrase, come from Jerusalem, it means that they are coming with one thing in mind, that is to cause trouble for Jesus. They are out to destroy him. They are not his friends. They are not out to make nice. So understand that. They come from Jerusalem and notice what they do. They are not here to be honest in trying to find truth. They are here to find problems and they immediately find one. They're upset with the disciples who ate with unwashed hands. And you're sitting there going, ooh, yuck. I mean, when we were little, our moms made us wash our hands. Go back and wash them again. Go back and wash them again. Go back and wash them again. But I let the dog lick them. No, 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 no. Wash your hands. 
Well, it's not that they ate with unwashed hands. It's they didn't wash it the way the Pharisees and the religious leaders wash them. Notice that phrase, they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. That's the next code word I want to show you. You see, my friends, there was a tradition. It's talking about the oral law. Here's how it went. When Moses was on Mount Sinai, and he came down with the Ten Commandments, and all the, the big pieces of rock that had the written law, the law of God, a tradition rose up that there was also a spoken law. And that spoken law was only given to a select few. And they knew, and nobody else. And it just happened to be these religious leaders. And these religious leaders could come and tell you what it meant. And the purpose of the oral law was to protect the written law. So you would have the written law, God's law, which no one really could understand according to those who held on to the oral law because the oral law was to explain the written law and to build a giant fence around the written law so you, you might mess up on the oral law, but at least you'd be far enough away that you didn't mess up the written law. Everybody understanding with me right now? Are you tracking with me? Not tracking with me? Okay. I appreciate your honesty. All right, here what it is. Here's the written word of God. So we're going to, here's what it says. So we're going to make some even stricter laws over here so that if we have these laws, they'll protect you from breaking these laws. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, or a protective fence. However, the way it worked was those laws changed. They changed to benefit the people making them. Hmm, isn't that strange? In fact, because only a few knew them, they uh, were the only ones who knew what they were. So no one could ever really come and say, hold it, hold it, hold it. You said this. Oh, well, you know, we know what they are. You don't. So you can't question us. Kind of convenient, isn't it? We have a secret law that you can't question, but we know, and we'll tell you how to interpret it. We'll tell you how to apply it but we're the only ones who know it. So, they go on the attack. They come to Jesus. The Pharisees and scribes ask him, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? Here's what they're saying. Jesus, your guys... They're messing up. I want you to see something here. 
They're saying, Jesus, if you were the real deal, if you were the real Messiah, if you were the real spiritual leader, if you were the real rabbi, your guys, they would be good. And they'd do everything according to our rules. Are you catching that? So here's what they're doing. They're doing what has continued on. You see, people like to measure how good Jesus is by looking at us. They like to say, hey, uh, Jesus, if he were truly a great God, then his disciples would be amazing. They'd be perfect. They'd do it just like we think they should do it. Well, you know what? Here's what makes Jesus so amazing. Jesus takes a flawed sinner like me and welcomes me into his kingdom. And he's working on me. And I'm not perfect yet. And I won't be till I stand before his presence in, in glory. And I'm going to fail. And I'm going to mess up. But I'm still his. Jesus didn't call me to be perfect. He called me to follow. There's a difference. And he didn't call me to follow man's rules. He didn't call me to follow what the world thinks. He called me to follow what he thinks. But those who attack will try to set rules on how we must live. They will try to define the playing field. But Jesus doesn't accept how they want to play. Notice his response. And he said to them, Well, did the Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written? This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the traditions of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you said, if a man tells his father or mother, Whatever you would have gained from me is Korban, that is given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and many such things you do. I want you to see what Jesus does. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Here's what they were doing. And Jesus points out just one thing. You see, they were supposed to, according to the written word of God, they were supposed to honor mom and dad. So mom and dad get old, they need help, and they come and say, son, daughter, I need help. Well, son would go, I'm sorry, I gave all my stuff to God. Now, I get all the benefits of it. I get to use it however I want, but it belongs to God, and I can't share it with you. So mom, dad, I guess you're going to have to starve. I guess you're going to have to go beg. 
Guess you're going to have to talk to one of the other siblings because you can't get it from me because I gave it to God. And they were justifying it from the oral law. And Jesus says, that makes your religion a farce. It's a joke. So here's what we learn. Number one, follow Scripture over anyone who says, I've got secret knowledge. If someone comes to you and says, hey, 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 I know the secret way of following God. I want you to grab your Bible and go, I'm sorry. I'm going to go with the written word of God. I'm going to go with what God says, not what some secret whisperer says. Especially if what you're telling me contradicts the word of God. Well, you've got to do it our way. Well, you know what, friend? I'm not going to be judged by your standards. I'm going to be judged by God's. I'm going to let God be my judge. Well, what if uh, they persist? Then just like Jesus, know what, notice what Jesus did. He gave a specific example of how they were in violation of God's standards, God's written word. So if you continue the conversation with them, you say, hey, you know, what you've asked me to do is in violation of what God has said in his word. And if they're a false teacher, if they're not just a person misguided, but if their whole purpose is to destroy and tear down, you call them out. You know, there's one thing coming alongside someone and trying to correct them. There's another thing when the person's job is to destroy the faith. And you call them out, and that's what Jesus did. He said, what you're doing is wrong. Your faith is a farce. You're not coming to learn and be corrected. You're coming to destroy. I'm not going to let you do that. That's how they respond. That's how we can respond. That's how we try to respond. So they, now Jesus then gets to the heart of the matter. Notice what he does. Hear me, all of you, and understand. There's nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Then you are also without understanding? Do you not see whatever goes into a person from the outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart but his stomach and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, myrtle, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. You see that word defile? You can simply call it def displeasing God. If you don't know what that word means, it simply means that's what displeases God. That's what it means. 
And what he's saying here, and let, let's, let's go back and let me take you back through, here's what's happening. He goes and he says, he walks back, and, and, and I love what the parallel passage in Matthew says, the disciples run up to him, and they go, Jesus, um, I don't know if you know this, but you made the Pharisees mad. You made them mad. Now think about this. I'm going to tell Jesus, do you know this? I think they're still getting to know Jesus. Jesus goes, oh yeah. Yeah, in fact, they're the blind leading the blind. I meant to make them mad. And then you see this next phrase in some of your Bibles, it's called, are you still dull? Are you slow of mind? It's not meant to be mean. It's kind of like the guy who comes and rubs the guy's head. You know, oh, come on, guys. Do I have to give you a diagram? You take the food. You put it in your mouth. You chew it. Chomp, chomp. You swallow. It goes into your tummy. Do I have to spell out the rest of it? God isn't freaking out over a little bit of dirt on your hands. That's not what displeases him. That's not what makes him upset. Because that's not the problem. The problem is what's inside already. And then he gives us an incredible list. Wow, evil thoughts. Ooh, yeah, ooh. Yeah, I've had a couple of those. Sexual immorality. They say that 70% of uh, the church dabbles in pornography. Okay, that doesn't count all the other things. Theft. Oh, shoo. I'm, I'm, I don't have to worry about that. Oh, yeah, however, they say businesses uh, have the biggest theft in business is time as their employees play on the Internet. Of course, none of you do that, but we've heard of people who do that. Murder? Oh, good. Don't have to worry about that one. Oh, but Jesus said, even if you have thoughts, I wonder if murder includes road rage. I wonder if murder includes anger at political opponents under your breath, wishing that someone wasn't around. Adultery, coveting, wickedness. Ooh, deceit, that's another word for lying. Sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. Some of those are actions. Some of those are also emotions or give rise to emotions like anger and fear. And foolishness can be translated bad decisions. Ooh. 
All these evil things come from within. And they are what displease God. Wow. So what do we do? What do we do? How do we deal with the inner things that defile a person? The things that make us not pleasing to God. These things that want to control us. These things that reside in our hearts and wage war. These things that hurt the people around us and they work to destroy us. In fact, because they come out, we put filters in place, don't we? And we put those filters in place. And when we're at work and when we're at school, we keep those filters in place. But when we get home, we drop the filters. And blah! Over the people we love the most. And we hurt them. The darkness within comes out to hurt and destroy. Think about the people who are closest to you. What do they experience? What do they experience with you? What is coming out of your heart towards them every day? What do they experience when you're tired, when you're not on your guard, what, when, when something else lowers your barriers? Admit it. Are you tired of living this way? Deep down, aren't you tired of trying to live this way? I've got good news. I've got good news. It's found in Matthew 11. This is what Jesus says to you. Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Any of you this morning have souls that need rest? For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, you may not understand yoke. You may be thinking egg yolk. It's not that. They would take two animals and they would put this wooden collar over both of them. And the dominant animal would lead the other. The dominant animal, the bigger animal, would also bear the, the most weight, the most burden. So when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, he's in the yoke already and he says, join me. For I'm gentle. I'm humble. This blows me away. The king of glory is humble. He doesn't have to be humble. He's God. But he humbles himself. For you, for me. Philippians 2, he humbled himself. 
says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Come, submit to me. The only time the yoke is not light is when you fight the yoke and try to go the other way. It's saying, join me. Tie yourself to me. Quit striving in your soul, in your heart. It can come to an end. But I must take the lead. You have to go my way. You have to follow. I'll give everything, but I demand everything. I'm not going to undersell the cost, friends. This is not cheap grace. If you want to deal with what's in your heart, it begins by submitting yourself to Jesus Christ and giving Him your life. But when you do, you find rest and you discover His gift. His gift is found in 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sins, all those things that are inside he is faithful. In other words, he does what he says. And just, he always will do what's right. And he will forgive us our sins. And he will cleanse us. He will deal with them. From all unrighteousness. He will set us free. Now he'll do it both immediately and in a process. We're going to talk about that in the weeks to come. We're going to talk about what that means. These things are hard issues. Next week, Bob Mueller is going to be here to talk about dealing with a broken heart. And then after that, I'm going to spend a few weeks on how to repair a heart ravaged by the things on our list. By the things that are inside us and want to control us. And the freedom that is found by being in Jesus Christ. In Disney's Beauty and the Beast, there's a scene where the beast is about to tell Belle how he feels. She looks into Beast's mirror and she sees her father in need and cries, I must go to him. And the beast replies, Go to him then. Moments later, the beast tells his friends, Cogsworth, the most important line in the film, I let her go. He then follows up moments later with, I had to. I love her. You see, the beast whose heart had been filled with pride and arrogance and selfishness was now filled with love. And so it is when we pair ourselves with the yoke of Christ. He changes us. And what comes out of us will be different. It won't be the things that displease God, but it will be the things that bring Him joy. Because we will be transformed. For if anyone's in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. 
In the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about heart matters. I sure hope you join us. I sure hope you'll come and talk about a new heart.